Welcome back to the podcast, Everything You Never Need to Know About Movies, Music, and Theater. And yes, again, we are back doing the dirty work, uh, specifically with, uh, so this is a new edition. This is the new series of the Movie Boys uh, with none other than my buddy, Chris, coming back on the show. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, Matt. Good to be back. So um, first, before we get into everything, um, um quick little update since we are to also to prove that we are doing live comic-con just uh finished over the past uh, month one of chris's favorite things is the upcoming marvel slate so really quickly oh, i just want people to know that they officially announced uh uh phase five which we are now finishing phase four which will end relatively soonish with the um with the she-hulk uh, attorney at law or Alan, Alan, uh, a green Alan McBeal. Um, <laughs> not my original joke. And it will continue with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which comes out next year in February, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Marvels, Blade, uh, starring Mahershala Ali, uh, Captain America, New World Order, Disney and Marvel are really leaning into that Illuminati uh, uh, conspiracy theory that people are thinking they're a part of. And then the, the Thunderbolts. Now, those are just the movies mind you there's a second season of what if there is secret invasion echo loki iron heart agatha uh coven of chaos and i'm actually excited about this one daredevil born again i watched the original daredevil with charlie cox and uh, vincent d'onofrio so the fact that they're bringing it back and that it's going to be an 18 episode is like uh, embarrassment of riches that they they are going to bring that in so that is very exciting and then they also finally put in uh, phase six which they did officially announce that uh, phases four five and six would be considered the multiverse saga so see uh, uh, phases one two and three were the infinity war saga the infinity saga uh, because it was leading up to thanos and the uh, infinity stones now we're leading up to the multiversal war and in 2004 we'll be getting the fantastic four um, and then we will be ending uh, uh, phase six, uh, the multiversal uh, uh, saga with uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret War. Those are both gonna be in the year of 2000, in, our, in the year of our Lord 2025. So we're getting two back to back. I mean, let's put it this way. When we got Infinity War and Endgame, we had to wait a year in between. Now we're just being, just spoiled rotten and we're showing it because these tv shows the effects look terrible the storylines aren't picking up we've talked about this at nauseum the fact what our thoughts have been with uh um the eternals doctor strange all the new ones uh, um oh, Spider thor spider-man no way home um exception that was actually relatively decent but again you have to take into effect they weren't um there wasn't a great 
influence on i mean they were living they that was a big fan service movie but they that was fan service movie done actually correctly and now it's just like a little bit too uh i don't even know what the word is but it, it doesn't work out now the thing i want to press to my to all you listening out there is that we have been waiting ever since um um josh trank's um fan four stick back at this point i think we're looking at almost 10 years ago um ever since then we've spent this whole time being like oh wait till marvel gets fantastic four or marvel should get fantastic four back kevin feige should be uh in control of that looking at what has happened in the last two years of the since the end of the thanos run um i question that now do we really want uh fantastic four to be done by kevin feige and co um in their uh, not only in their kind of loose storyline but also in the woke manner that we're being very gratuitous with our heroes and the fact that like the whole first two acts of iron man tony stark is literally learning how to use the tech all of a sudden now we have people showing up who happen to be like oh i have this power and i know i control it i didn't need a whole movie for us to learn and get a backstory we're just gonna witness these things you know i've heard great things about ms marvel but that i'm still dubious on on what how great that show was and i've also heard different things about moon knight um oscar isaac is amazing and him being from guatemala he he is always going to be my brother but at the same time and us guatemalans we gotta you know we gotta destroy the view that uh, uh mel gibson gave to us looking like a bunch of barbarians um you know we we're actually nice people but now i'm kind of thinking wait, maybe wait hold on are you going to tell me guatemalans didn't uh chop off the heads of i mean thousands of people to try no. and worship the sun god uh, no, that was actually the Incas. They get that wrong a lot. Okay. The Mayans didn't do any of that? <laughs> no, the aliens did it for us. <laughs> the aliens versus predators? No, the aliens that came down, that gave us all the technology. But then because we stopped um, um, killing people for the for the sun god, they decided to leave and we were stuck with our dick in our hands. So um, <laughs> that's kind of what happened there. But anyway, I wanted to just touch base with the fact that more is coming from the Marvel Cinematic Universe right up to 2005. And it sounds like 2005 is going to be when we um, 2025. see the, 2025 is when we're going to see the end of this next um, saga three wow. years from now. So we've got three full years of what I'm going to call nonsense. Um, so we'll be <laughs> interesting. Yes, um, it'll be interesting. And um, God willing, Chris and I will be there to cover it all. Um, any thoughts about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or would, or would you rather get to the uh, the the topic well, at hand? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take up too much time because everybody's here for the Nope review. But my, I just want to remind your audience that the Titanic didn't sink in a minute. It took a little bit of time to go into that water, mm -hmm. and we're seeing that in the Marvel Universe. It hit the iceberg, which was Phase Four, and uh, people are going to be jumping ship, and it will be. Uh, Robert Robert uh, Allard will be slowly digging it up in 2025. <laughs> I just thank God that Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. got off when the going was good. They they oh, got they'll out. bring them back. They'll bring them back for Secret War. Well, here's the thing: they'll bring them back, 
but they're going to pay a heavy, heavy, heavy premium. Uh, for that. Not for Chris Evans, who just tanked uh, Buzz Lightyear. Well, Chris Evans is trying to be the nice guy. I mean, let's put it this way. Before Captain America, what did you know Chris Evans from? Not another teen movie. That was it. Well, uh, Fantastic Four. I mean, a good movie. <laughs> but he played the human torch. I thought he was a good human torch. I mean, a good performance. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ooh, that's true. Yes. I, I yeah. do agree with that, that he was really good in that. And also, Brie Larson was actually really good in that. You know, it's amazing when you go back and watch that. We should we should actually do a review of that movie because I love that movie. I How many the, stars were in that movie? Well, I mean, we could go all down the list, but yeah, we'll save that for another night. And uh, that is a really good movie. There are things I don't like about it, but it's not. Oh. It has nothing. It has nothing to do with the performances, and it has nothing to do with the screenwriting or uh, with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright to me is. Okay. Probably the new, I hate to use his name, but Joss Whedon, but he is the new like nerd director. Like he should have, I, I would still, I wish we had a, you know what I'd love to do with this multi-universe? I'd love to go into a multi-universe where he got to make his Ant-Man and see what that was like. Cause that would have been absolutely brilliant. Um, but anyway, I digress. So, well, what, as, well I, I just have to ask what like top top level like what didn't you like about if it wasn't all that what didn't you like about scott pilgrim versus the world i didn't like the gratuitous use uh, or the the female i know it's in the comics and i know i'm probably gonna get shit from it but i didn't like the whole like um like the like um the females being basically just like the MacGuffins of the thing, like they, 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 it's one of these things that unfortunately happens sometimes, especially in '90s properties that like women weren't well-rounded characters; they were basically just the dream thing for the our main character to get. But by the end, you were kind of like, "Well, I don't want her to be with him because he's, even though he's proved himself, he's still kind of a dick," you know. And Scott Pilgrim to me has always been a kind of emo complaining in a certain way kind of a, a an asshole and um you know um um what's her character's name but mary uh elizabeth elizabeth winstead's character um is leagues above scott pilgrim and just because he fought all her evil exes doesn't mean that he's worthy of it but at the same time i don't i didn't want her to i, I didn't want him to end up with the other girl because he was 18 and she was like 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of creepy. There were kind of mm -hmm. moments. And I know Edgar was sticking true to the comic because, yeah. uh, but the visuals were beautiful. The acting was fantastic. I can't single out a performance in that movie that is not spot on. And Edgar Wright was at the height of his game um, coming off um, um Sean of the dead and hot fuzz you know so mm -hmm. you can't you can't blame him for what he did and he did mountains with it afterwards look at um uh, um baby driver and uh yeah. you know the movies that he's done previously and the movies he's going to be doing I mean I can't blame I can't fault the guy for what he did he did it exactly the way it should have been done but anyway I digress so tonight we're going to talk so as part of this new series that Chris and I are basically go to the movies and actually see a new movie in theater. What a and, novel idea. Well, I never, I, my, the intention of this channel was always to be 
um, um, looking at the past and looking at previous movies and kind of stacking things up. And it's only been recently with, <coughs> with Chris that I've really gotten into the whole actual movie critiquing, which I've always been fascinated on. And I've always mm -hmm. kind of done with Chris um, since we've known each other for forever. So, um, and <laughs> it's always funny that um, Chris, Chris will text me about a movie and be like, I want you to see this because I want to know your opinion. Um, because I dissect the thing because I, I went through film class for three years in, mm -hmm. uh, in my college. So it's, you know, it's, it's something I see and I can't look at mo a movie anymore and not think of how, where the camera was, where the lighting was, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, we, um, so tonight we are talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. So this is actually going to be the first time our review is actually going up the exact week after the movie has opened the movie literally just opened not three or four days ago we're, we're taping this on monday uh july 25th so this is probably one of the newest and this will go up tomorrow um tomorrow and so it's one of the newest reviews that we're actually going to have um and so and will we be doing spoilers we will be doing spoilers yes okay, so this so is just, a spoiler just to let you, so the audience big, know. big spoiler alert now, again, we are both very much, I believe, on the same line with this movie as we mostly are. And that line, I will say, is that we both think that this movie is okay. It's not great. Would we, would we see it again? Nope. <laughs> no, no, I would. Um, no. So, okay. Uh, so let's take, let's, let's look about this for a second before yeah, we get into it. Let's dissect this movie because a oh, lot of people are, are giving it good praise. And I think, I think there's a lot to unpack. Yes, I agree. But let's let's look at this for one point. So we haven't really talked about Jordan Peele yet, but this guy began his career in comedy. He owned Mad TV with Keegan Michael Key, and then obviously Key and Peele, which I still watch and laugh at at this at, at this time. Like a bootleg um, Chappelle show. I think, yes, I think it's a bootleg Chappelle show in the sense that Chappelle show hit race right on the head and like literally was like you know basically was that guy with the trench coat being opening it the trench coat and being like race racism here look at it whereas key and peel kind of disguised the racism and kind of just made it like like these are sketches that like white people would do and we're just going to do them and it's not going to be any different but there and there were good sketch there were some really interesting sketches they played white face a couple times and you know Chappelle has his opinions of key and peel but for me it's a really good um, um i think it's a good show it's a great show um then he makes his feature film debut this is uh, jordan peel retires from comedy and makes his movie get out you can't now you have to remember when he made get out he was in his 30s he was he was making it in his 30s get out was an amazing entrance with a horror movie that the movie is not just a really great horror movie but it's a great commentary on race racism in this country and a social commentary now the best horror movies do that. Not all horror movies do that. I mean, Jason versus Freddy or whatever it was had no commentary whatsoever. It was literally just a schlock fest. But the best horror movies, something like Rosemary's Baby or, you know, even Poltergeist to a certain extent, they were commenting on things happening in society at that moment in time. So mm -hmm. he gets a big hit like that. He sets up his production company, Monkey Paw Productions, mm -hmm. and then he does us which was kind of a 
stumble, even though it made a great a lot of a, a great deal of money, it, it it didn't really do what people were expecting. Now we have Nope. So as a quick uh, uh, synopsis, essentially, the film is about a t- uh, two uh, ranch owning siblings who, with the help of a tech salesman and a famous cinematographer, attempt to capture and sell video evidence of an un- unidentified flying object. That's the that's the 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 napkin. That's mm-hmm. the synopsis written on a napkin. That's mm-hmm. basically that's his pitch to the studio. That's his pitch to the studio. And from what we can tell, or what I can tell, and from what he has said, he literally has cited King Kong, Jurassic Park, Close Encounters, and Wizard of Oz as his um, influence for this movie. That that's those are the movies that he basically was influenced to write this particular movie. Now, why do I say it's okay? The reason is, has nothing to do with the visuals, which we'll get to, but let's talk, first talk about, let's first talk about what we didn't like, Um, like focus, like focus groups do. (laughs) Um, I didn't like the story. I thought it suffered from a classic thing that happens, especially in horror movies, which is you build up suspense, you build up the intrigue and you build the tension. up the tension and the questions. But then when you get to the third act, it all falls away because you're too busy worried about the spectacle in the images and not about the rationality of how we got to that moment in time. Um, the movie itself has a lot of questions that aren't really answered. There's um, a kind of subplot with a um, with the character that uh, uh, um, what's his face, uh, Stephen Yen Stephen plays yeah. Stephen from Ryan The plays. Walking Dead, right? Brilliant um, actor. He plays a former child actor and the owner and creator of a carnival called Jupiter's Claim. Mm-hmm. Now, at the very beginning of the movie, we are on the set of a movie uh, of a TV show. What we find out later was a like sitcom with a chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee, which who was. Um, um cgi'd um oh that was some horrible cgi it was i could tell instantly that it was not a real i mean as soon as that i mean that that was almost as bad as planet of the apes (laughs) the trilogy yeah the trilogy absolutely um the ape has basically maimed all of its actors um two of them have died one has brutal injuries to their face which we find out later and um, the only person who survive, survives for the most part wholeheartedly is our character, um, Ricky Park, who yeah. Stephen plays. Yeah, yeah. And he is essentially traumatized. But at the very end, he, uh, um, um, the chimpanzee sees him and they do their classic, apparently their classic thing was a fist bump. And right before they do the fist bump, the creature is shot. Now, you're wondering why I'm spending so much time on this particular thing. It's because Gordon, Jordan Peele spent so much time on this <laughs> subplot, which I have, I have theorized for a little bit that it's a mirror image of what yes. happens later because yes. what startles the chimpanzee is a balloon. Mm-hmm. 
And what takes down the monster, spoiler alert, is a balloon. So it is linear, but in a really way that you have, like, I had to think about it for 24 hours after I left the theater, which isn't the greatest thing. I understand Jordan Peele is influenced also by Stanley Kubrick, and Stanley Kubrick was a uh, notorious for not giving answers to the mo- to to their to his movies and the endings. But at the same time, the endings are the most important part that leave that leave the audience. And if you're in a horror movie, you want to leave your audience with something that questions it but doesn't question it that they have to like spend 24 hours of their time thinking about you know i think there's two movies i've heard this compared to and i've read a couple of articles one jaws Mm -hmm. two signs Mm -hmm. now i i believe that we were sold kind of going into this that it was jordan peele's attempt at being like Spielberg close you said close encounters right Jaws it's his attempt of his take on a Spielberg alien uh encounter movie Mm -hmm. we also have signs which I think is an interesting in term people are saying it's like the horror aspect of signs and if we take the ending of signs and the ending of Jaws signs ends Signs end ended so poorly mm-hmm. that it tanked M. Night Shyamalan's career for the next like five movies. Yeah. Because, you know, spoilers, the signs, it's all set up that these aliens, they come to Earth and apparently they can be destroyed by water. It like melts their skin. And the end of the movie is, is uh, the alien getting beaten by a baseball bat and water splashed on him. And, and as the audience, you're kind of like, wow, this is the payoff. <laughs> and then the kid has an asthma attack. He gets through it. And then the dad um, f- finds his faith again and becomes a priest. Okay. Some moments of jump scares. But at the end, you're, you're kind of like, okay, this it, I, it's like I could see him being like a War of the Worlds, like, it was the human bacteria that we had grown accustomed to. Like we, we were able to grow accustomed to rain. It didn't melt our skin. But at the end of the year, kind of like, well, that was kind of stupid. Hmm. Jaws ends with a brilliant climactic scene where he shoots the tank in the, in the shark's mouth, blows up. Uh, and then him and, and then he, he, it's funny. He goes, you know, I can't believe I was afraid of the water as a kid. And Hooper goes, yeah, I, I yeah, I can't see why that would be your fear. And it ends with them swimming into, into shore. So there is that kind of that arc, but, but in the middle of it is, is as Jordan Peele would say, spectacle, horror, suspense, action. There's everything. But the end of the movie is memorable in, this, in the sense that, wow, the heroes had to really accomplish something. They really had to grow. Even in signs, he had to find his faith and his and his courage to it, i mean just it's so stupid the alien with the water but anyway i say signs and jaws because jaws we can see a good example of someone doing this and signs we can see an example of wow i'm not Shamala, he really lost the plot now we have nope and we look at the arc and the end of the movie 
And what am I struck with? My, the last scene of the movie is the main character, O.J. Hayward, on the horse. So he survived the encounter with the alien. But we don't see how or why. Hmm. And then we're struck with his sister, who captures the picture of the alien, which looks like a butterfly. So it's not really a good picture, but she doesn't take it. So we're kind of left feeling like, and then the alien dies in a, in a stupid, weird yeah. way of eating a balloon and exploding. And you're kind of like, wow, this, this feels very unfulfilling because we didn't see the characters grow Mm-hmm. to get to those two points we don't see the moment where the sister and you could say well it's the moment where the sister leaves the picture okay but there has to be actions leading up to that that makes her choose her family over the fame yeah we see him confront confront the the ufo creature but we don't really see the moment where he becomes strong enough to confront the creature and and kind of figure out how to beat the creature because we don't even get that payoff because we don't even see him do that because the camera pans to the girl, his sister, um, Emerald Hayward, M. So I I feel like it was a movie with a lot of things set up with no payoffs. Agreed, because you also have to take into account that um, Kiki Palmer, who plays M, uh, yep. uh, uh, Daniel Kalula's um, sister, um, she spent her whole life running away because she was mad that her that their father Keith David did not train her to ride this particular horse that blue she jacket. named a blue uh, jean jacket. Jean jacket. Jean jacket. And uh, so she has run ran away from her responsibility. Basically, kind of become a quote unquote. I want to say millennial, but like influencer. She's on YouTube all the time. She's worried about the Instagram thing and doing her own like Etsy shop and all that kind of stuff and her own career basically and only worried about her. What would have been more interesting thing is that she um, quote unquote sacrificed herself to what Otis did and sacrificed herself instead of running away like she always does um, near the end. Now, the thing about the characterization is that They've they set up this whole that the farm is failing, um, that um, Otis's father, played by Keith David, has had OJ's this, father Otis. Otis, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes, OJ uh, uh, father named Otis, who's played by Keith David, um, has had to sell some of the horses to uh, uh, to Ricky Lee, Park to yeah. Ricky to Ricky Park, and that um, and now Daniel Kalula, who plays OJ. Um, is trying to figure out a way to get them back and to rebuild essentially the family farm because he feels that that is his duty. Okay, that's great. And the great tension is um, that he, it seems like he and his sister have different um, ambitions and that they're on different tracks and they don't agree with the whole farm. Yeah, because, and just really quick, because Ricky Park wants to buy the farm. Right. And she says, hey, how much did he offer you? And OJ says, I'm not going to tell you. So she, that's her motivation is she would rather sell the farm, make the money. And right. OJ would rather keep it for his father's legacy, et cetera. 
Sorry. Right. Continue. And 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 she obviously then once the UFO comes into play, she wants to get pictures, become rich, and get money. It's never stated that she ever wants to save the farm. He wants to save the farm if they're going to do this, but <laughs> she doesn't. That's a great setup. That's a great like conflict between the two of them but out of nowhere once they decide that they are going to try to get the picture it becomes about getting the picture and that they're on the same side and in, mm-hmm. in this in this strange invisible space of time it's never given that they have reconciled like mm-hmm. they are kind of pushed together because they have to be but there's never a moment where they kind of are like I'm glad you came back. Oh, I'm glad you came back. There's nothing like that. And Daniel Kalula, who is an amazing actor, and I've seen him do amazing work, specifically in Get Out, but also in, you know, Black Panther and all these other movies that he's done. He is an amazing actor. A lot of his character, if I could even call it that, as OJ, are stoicism, shyness, and quiet, which I get that that's a thing. But there's a lot of stuff that's happening around him. So which even the most stoic person, when they are, when they have like a, you know, a UFO is right above them and he's just seen the UFO. He's in the car and he's just seen the UFO basically drain blood on top of his father's house. You would think that there'd be more of a reaction in his face that says, oh shit, we are really fucked. I am really fucked, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's indicated that he under he gets why, um, like he figures out, figures, figures out a way to not be attacked by the UFO because mm-hmm. you don't look up, you look down. But it's also a, a, sta- a, a thing that we don't really, there's never really a thing of saying that this is how he figured that out. Um, we also have um, Ricky Park, who was completely traumatized by the whole chimpanzee situation, that we then see him trying to bring the UFO out by using the horses that he has bought from uh, first Otis and now OJ. And now you're wondering, so wait, you witnessed basically an animal murder or maim your whole cast, and now you're comeback for that is that you're owning this dude ranch where you and you're feeding animals to this ufo which goes awry because then he and the entire audience gets sucked up and he they meet the same same. see i i liked that character arc because it was his hubris of having survived the chimpanzee attack that made him think he could survive, like, you know, this idea of taming a lot. I, I feel like the chimpanzee was a meta, was a, a mirror for this animal. And this idea of, oh, we thought we could tame the chimpanzee and then it killed a bunch of people. He thought he could tame the UFO. But creature, I don't think, but, and it but, killed here, him. but here's my thing. It's never set up that the UFO has taken multiple horses. We just see this one horse. The thing about, screenwriting and the thing about movies is that you set up something to then like you were talking about the payoff you set something up so that it gets paid off later so like um example with marvel guardians of the galaxy at the very beginning uh uh quill is a kid 
and his mom is on uh, her deathbed and she says, take my hand. And he doesn't want to take her hand because taking her hand means that she dies. And he thinks he can stop that. And she dies because he didn't take her. He thinks because he didn't take her hand. Then we move into the future and he's holding the infinity stone possibly about to die, although we now know he wasn't because he was a celestial. Um, and Gamora says, take my hand, I'll share the power. And he thinks about his mother and he immediately takes her hand. That's called setup and payoff. Same thing with Mad Max Fury Road, witness me. You don't know what that means, but then you see it's a kamikaze attack. Then you see at the very end, instead of saying witness me and I'm gonna reach the gates of, gates of Valhalla because of the Morton Joe, Instead, I'm going to sacrifice myself so these people I care about can live another day and fight another day. All you had to do was show, even mysteriously, that Parks was um, feeding the horses. See, to... I see. I thought there was a line. My interpretation is in the beginning. He explains that this thing has been coming around every Friday, eating horses. In the beginning of his speech to the audience. I interpret that as him giving the dialogue to set up that he's been feeding these horses and he's been in a way he thinks he can control this animal because he knows it's its feeding schedule. But it's but it's a difference between show don't tell. We don't want to tell the audience that that's what's been happening. We should show it like the like a, a better way of doing it would have been early in the play or early in the play early in the movie. Um, we see him in his gear, but we don't see the back because obviously the back has a design of an alien and all that and a flying saucer. But we see him in the darkness, like with a horse and he pushes the horse out into the field and he sees the, the UFO take the horse and come back. And then even if it's just like a moment, just seeing the eyes and just seeing him think about it and like, okay, we can make a show out of this or something like that like something yeah. like like that could have could have accentuated more i mean we get all this backstory about um it was gordy uh, uh the show gordy and yeah, that his monkey. relationship with gordy and the monkey and i don't i didn't get hubris from him um because he is obviously showing up when um when m asked him about the show and that she doesn't know anything about the show but when he starts reliving it and 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 talking about it you clearly see that he's impacted by it and that it's yes. it's more traumatic than it is like oh i survived that i can survive anything so it's a weird choice to go from that to then being like watch me be the be the shit and i'm gonna control the ufo and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's 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 hard to say that it's hubris. It's hard to take that seriously if you're having the character play as, oh fuck, I that scared the shit. I'm traumatized, and every time I think about that, I just, I'm just like, I can't move. And then my wife kind of jolts, jolts me on saying, like, oh, you okay, hun? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just thinking about that. You know what I mean? So there's different ways to do it. Um, and I don't think it was the greatest way. Having said all that, that's, inter I, that's interesting because I, I can see where you're coming with. I want to stay on this just for a little bit, yeah, sure, sure. if you don't mind, no, because his character was very. His character, I feel like, had the most. It's going to sound weird. Potential, because yeah. he, 
interesting that we see him the least, but he has a success, successful business. He has this relationship with Hollywood. He was on this show that keeps getting referenced in a traumatic event. And the parallels between that and the UFO and him trying to do what, what his cast members thought they could do. And then they get burned. And then it would have been, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. It would have been interesting to see him struggle mm. with his fear of the trauma of the flashbacks of, okay, here's another creature mm-hmm. that I'm scared of. What makes him think that you're right? What makes him think that this time he can do it? Whereas before as a kid, he couldn't. And you're right, hubris doesn't make sense. But maybe it's like a, he thought he'd get lucky again. Like he, you know, he survived death once. Like he's kind of a little cavalier, but none of his actions are cavalier. None of his actions, there's hubris. So I feel like we needed a little bit more character development to get him to that point where I believe that he would create a show to sacrifice a horse and the alien to come down and take it. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in here that could have been cleared up not just with that character, I, I agree with you, but with all the characters in the characterization of them as well. Um, again, not just with Kuru and all that. Now, I granted, Brandon um, um, Peria, one of my favorite characters in the entire movie, Angel. Yeah, Angel. Um, kind of comes out of nowhere. I do like his character, though. I do. He... He didn't have a great arc because it wasn't really an arc. He was just kind of a secondary character in terms of like he comes and yeah. uh, uh, sets yeah. up the, yeah. the equipment. And But but there isn't an arc. None of the characters have an arc. And I know we talk about this a lot, but I like my characters to have a beginning, middle, and end. And they don't really. It's kind of they're just thrown into this. And this is just... Kind well, of couldn't you say OJ had an arc by taming the UFO? Not really. Not really, because <laughs> we don't see it. We don't see him do it. We see him tame, like, we see him figure out a way to have the horses be in a certain place. We have, we know that the, uh, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it didn't, fi- it, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy mm-hmm. that he had figured it out. Um, so I think that's a, a, an important distinction. There's some, because some people would argue, well, technically he did have an arc, but what you're saying is, yeah, but it, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy into that. I, did, I didn't, didn't buy it because, because, of the, because of the, well, at the very beginning, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't take uh, control of the situation, but he knows what he knows. But we don't know whether or not he doesn't take control of the situation on the set because he's just nervous or he doesn't want to do it or you know pick your reason and he obviously loves his dad he's sad that his dad is gone and then but then all this stuff happens and yeah it's a it's funny lines when he keeps saying nope like when he's in the in the stable and the light keeps turning off and he gets scared about it all. And he's like, Nope. And then, you know, he's in the truck, like we said before, and he, he slowly opens it up to what I'm calling the Roy Neary look like uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus in close encounters looking up just very slightly. And then he just closes and says, Nope, those are funny bits, but they don't make a character. They don't make character development and they don't make it that he has figured anything out. I mean, I don't even know what you could have done with it 
to make to to expand his character more because to me this was and i maybe well, it's this very is, well it's very i would say show him training horses more yeah because the horses are a metaphor for the alien yeah but at the same time also we only we only see him like begrudgingly get up and take care of things with at exactly. the very beginning with his father but we don't see him actually like okay horse do this or horse do mm-hmm. that or whatever exactly. but, the other, but the other thing i was about to say is that the other thing we don't we don't get it, uh, from from him is any kind of Ocean, just something. <laughs> yeah, an ocean. I don't get an ocean of tears. No, no, emotion. Oh, emotion. Yeah, I don't get any emotion. I don't get. I just get stoicisms, which only gets you a certain way. But again, like I said, I he he wanted to keep the father's farm. That's all he wanted. But by the end, the house has been destroyed by the alien. The horses are in disarray, so they've lost the farm. It's in complete and utter that's, that's a great and disarray. So all he's done is lose everything so at the point where he's going point. to when, when he's going to sacrifice sacrifice himself has he decided that he's just had enough and that he's just on a suicide mission in a weird way jordan peele also suffers from sometimes what happens with these type of movies i don't i, he, I hesitate to call this movie horror it's not your generic horror movie it's he's very much uh, jordan peele is very much uh, 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 inspired by Twilight Zone, and this just fe- this feels like a really interesting yeah. Twilight Zone movie, but it could have done with more development and more than just spectacle, which is what Jordan Peele has said was his intention yeah. was to create a spectacle. spectacle. But the but, thing, but, was, yeah, but the thing, but the thing I was going to say with if you want to compare him to a Spielberg, Spielberg, yes, he does spectacle. Yes, he will do. You know. Scorsese is the king of gangster. Yes, De Palma is the, is the king of misogyny. Yes, George Lucas is the king of horrible dialogue. But Steven Spielberg is always going to be the king of spectacle, even more so than even Terry Malick. Terry Malick is more just weird shots, um, artistic and beautiful shots, but no story. Spielberg, name, one of the, name a movie for your listeners. For a Terry what? Malick movie. Uh, song to Song. It's okay. literally just beautiful shots going down or uh, even tree of life, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and just as a word of warning, never watch that movie high. It will, it will scare you um, anyway. Um, 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 but so Spielberg does spectacle, but within the context of that spectacle are character development and stories and character moments that the spectacle, the movies would not be so remembered like you were talking about with Jaws, the movies would not be so remembered had those characters not been fully developed and had you not cared about their development as well. You care that Roy Neary is leaving his family and that he's going on the spaceship. You care that Chief Brody kills the shark but that and he survives and that he's able to go home and see his family. You care the fact that, you know, pick another character like Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, and Mal- Ian Malcolm all survive because you learn to like the characters. Mm. You know, there's a different, there's a way of doing spectacle, but having your characters in your story, there's a way of doing it. And uh, we were talking about this uh, uh, off air, that it's a slow burn. It's a slow movie, but I like that because if you look at old Spielberg movies, it's a slow burn to get to those moments. Look at Jurassic Park, the first 30 minutes, they don't even get to the fucking park. You know what I mean? The, on the 30, 
30 um, uh, minute 30 is when they see the dinosaur for the first time mm. and it's slow it's a slow first we see we see um um alan grant sees it he gets up we don't see it right away we're still on alan grant and then he forces ellie to see it and they both look and then in shot as the camera moves up is a beautiful shot of a dinosaur that is beautiful and that again is a slow burn but the payoff is beautiful this was a slow burn with no payoff because we didn't care about the characters and we didn't have a story we had intrigue we had suspense and we had all this oh how's this gonna uh 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 end but it didn't have a great payoff at an end. Uh, the the alien looked like fucking bedsheets. And, <laughs> bed and, like, and that's a great and, comparison. And then it was killed by a balloon, you know. Yeah. So if you want to look at Spielberg's, uh, uh, Chief Brody kills the shark by shooting a gun with uh, uh, and and getting the the, uh, the air tank. Is it unrealistic? Absolutely. But do people still cheer at the end of that movie? Hell yes signs you were talking about that really oh, hold stupid. on wait wait stay there why do they cheer because they just saw the shark eat one of the That's main characters yeah, yeah. so the, you believe oh my god anybody in this movie can die and going into that we see him eat michael wincock who is still uh, wincott who is still He's one of my favorite like two minutes i know he's one of my favorite actors and i love that man and I wish he got more work. And I and mm. for this, I wish we saw him more. I mm. wish that because when he came on screen and I realized it was him and he we were going to see him a couple more times, I was like, oh, they must be setting him up for a supporting actor. He mm. gets a supporting actor. He had 10 minutes in the movie, probably made a great paycheck, but 10 minutes in the in the whole goddamn movie. Um, so you don't care that he goes to get the shot and he gets sucked up and 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 killed or whatever you know it, it it's just there was no payoff and even and the, even when steven Wynn's character died he was in it so little yeah he didn't care that he died yeah yeah it's it, it was weird and it, it wasn't at all um um yeah yeah so i want to talk about spectacle for a second because you, you brought up yeah, a great ahead. point and this movie reminds me a lot of into africa with mm. the with the lion who's like stalking people at the camp mm -hmm. and they have to kill the lion and it's like this horror this horror in the jungle but it's it's yeah. a lion um but it's it's kind of like this um uh like a mystical force even though it's mm. a lion it has like almost supernatural powers um and it's and you're like okay i i've seen lions at the zoo i know lions aren't supernatural or mystical what about this movie makes it feel that way? It's the situ. It's the it's the way the characters react to the lion. Mm -hmm. We think about Jaws. Well, you know, it's just a shark. Who cares? It's the horror in everybody when they encounter the shark. Well, when they see how big the shark is, like even says it's yes. twenty. It's it's a he, um, was a uh, uh, Hooper says it's that's a 24 and the other guy says no it's a 25 <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly it's a great and it's, it's one of those things like oh my god what makes this special we've all seen sharks it's that what makes this shark unique is the feats of strength and almost magicalness of the shark to like go down without the barrels the trickiness of the shark the cunningness of it so 
Well, and Come also Quint, and also yeah, Quint, and also Quint saying the entire time, "I've never seen some a shark do this. I've never seen yes. this. I've never seen this." That continuous of like unbelievability of someone that has already uh, 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 set himself up as like the king of getting sharks. You've seen the shark jaws on on his mantles. He's he's boiling yes. sharks. They've hit you over the head with the fact that this guy knows sharks and knows how to kill them. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he, yes, exactly. So, you know, to kind of go a little psychological, our projections of different parts of ourselves are, are put on these characters. And that's why we relate to characters. That's why their reactions and emotions, we mirror them. The, mm-hmm. the horror in the characters' faces, we feel that horror because we are putting ourselves in their situation. What does Jordan Peele do? he talks about spectacle he has his characters feel like they can tame an alien ufo creature mm-hmm. and the end of the movie culminates with them tricking it into being captured on film and what i think is a a really stupid uh, it's, it's it's not even it's not even that clever. It's it's not even believable that a horse can outrun a UFO alien when we've seen it go right. from zero to a, it's like okay how are you gonna what you have eyes in the back of your head you don't we don't really understand the it's not really explained how you're gonna survive this but you've also by you taking this alien foreign uh, um mythical object that we have no idea about it and now saying well it has a regular feeding schedule oh it it can be it if you don't look it in the eye it's fine by making it basically like a horse now we've lost the spectacle of it because i believe that there's rules that this creature now operates under and if there's rules i'm not afraid I was never afraid at the end. If this is a horror movie, I should be scared for the final reveal mm-hmm. of this monster because I should feel like it can get me. Yeah. And in no point did I feel scared once it was determined what this thing was. And then, and then when it unveiled to be the pillowy uh, sheets blowing in the wind, I lost all fear. And it, and now I was just like, wow, this is what I was, now I'm questioning, like, this didn't seem scary at all because you've turned it, you've turned it into an animal that just eats regularly and it's just scared. And, and we look at out of Africa and the reason why the lion, the reason why a spectacle is a spectacle is because it's short and it happens fast Mm -hmm. and it's not prolonged. And it's like a little blip that you're then like, it, 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 like it's like a firework. Boom, it hits and it leaves an impression. That's a spectacle. If we spend 30 minutes with a firework, then we start getting bored. We, we become desensitized to what yeah. you thought was a spectacle. And at the end of the movie, I was completely desensitized to the alien. Uh, and, and it just felt blah. 
Yeah. Well, the other thing too is they threw in the red herring of the TMZ reporter, which I actually, funny enough, you know what I thought? I thought the minute he showed up, I I thought this was Parks. I thought this was Park. He survived somehow, and he actually had a deal with the devil with the alien or something. Like I I I don't know. I just had this thought in my head. I thought it was the government. I mean, it could have been. Um, I mean, he looked he looked he looked like. (laughs) <laughs> he looked like a freaking um, um, uh, a motorcyclist out of like Phantom of the uh, yeah, Phantom of the Paradise or whatever, you know what I mean? So <laughs> overall, like I said before, it's a spect. It, the movie was a spectacle. It it didn't hold character. The a lot of the shots were really lovely. Uh, Jordan Peele yeah. did know how to build up suspense, especially when it was uh, Angel and M in the uh, in the the house right before the blood came down. I mean, all the stuff that he did leading it up was absolutely ridiculous. And the one jump scare it got out of me was when the horse was the 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 decoy horse was thrown back at um um at OJ in the car. That's when I was like that I actually like uh screamed in the in the in the theater because I was like, oh my God, it's so scary. But um but no, at no point did I say, I think that this merit, I, I don't see it even meriting. Right now on, on Rotten Tomato, it's got an 83%. Um, and someone actually, uh, this was, so this was actually um, what, what was written, and I completely agree with it. Admiral for its originality and ambition, even when its reach exceeds its grasp. I think there was a little bit of some forms of originality and some forms of ambition, but it definitely, the spectacle superseded everything. And I don't think it got close to even the worst Spielberg has for us, like the worst Spielberg movie, if you're going for spectacle and if Spielberg is your, like the spectacle hierarchy that you're trying to get to. So for me, it, 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 it um, definitely, not a great C, not something I'd see uh, another time, even though I love um, sci-fi movies and alien movies to the nth degree, but this it, it just didn't hold water. And I, it felt bad, like, as I said, because I like the cast, the cast for the most part were decent, but it just, it didn't, it didn't do what I was hoping it, um, it would do. Uh, Chris, final thoughts on, uh, on Nope. Yeah, you know, the cinema score for this was a B. And that's kind of where I'm landing on it. Yeah. Visually, there were some beautiful shots of like the, the valley and, and the craft, the alien flying above. And, and um, it, it did have some moments of intrigue in the very beginning. But once it turned into a, <laughs> it was almost like, like, it, like a parody mm. movie of like, hey, what if a bunch of idiots, what if a bunch of idiots had a UFO in their backyard and they want to make money off of it? And it's like, I feel like we've had those movies before and it's like, you know, like a dino babies type of plot of like, hey, let's bring this, you know, let's show it to people. And it's to me, I feel like, what makes you think that your video photography image of this alien is going to get you on Oprah. Right. Their actions, uh, it felt so 
stupid that you would think that we literally have, we have um, photos of unidentified flying craft from mm -hmm. military jets, the favorite video, and they actually mention it in the movie of, you know, oh, he's like, oh, I've seen the, the interview of the Navy pilot and Joe Rogan interviewed him, blah, blah, blah. We have military intelligence videos of this and people still don't believe it and people don't really care anymore. What makes you think that this is going to save your farm? And as you said, it's eating your horses. Yeah. The thing that you want to save. And now you're going to sacrifice some horses to get this shot. So it, it felt out of character originally for the main, I would say OJ is maybe like the main character yeah. or the one that we, we kind of, I don't know, it kind of focuses on him. He's the one at the end on the horse, but it's like, it's out of character for him. It seems unbelievable and stupid in general. And, and now you're not afraid of this, this thing that now I'm already supposed to be afraid of. So now I'm not afraid of it. Right. And it, yeah, it just, it, to me, it was all of the themes and the tone of the movie was all over the place. And one last thing I want to point out in terms of Mr. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele was nominated for an Oscar and won an Oscar for the screenplay of Get Out. Mm -hmm. That was his first movie out and it made a statement. But here's the thing that I want you to think about. There was another person who was around 10 years younger who had a first big hit movie it wasn't a hit but first big movie out took on social um um social commentary and modern at that time modern day commentary got nominated for an oscar for a screenplay but spent the rest of his life trying to live up to the expectation of the audience and the studios as well as get the money for his endeavors that was orson wells so if Jordan Peele is going this way, that all his movies are going to pale in comparison to his debut movie, Jordan Peele's in good company. Anyway, that is it for us for tonight. Um, please email at um, matthew.garland at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on movies that you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, looks like in the future, uh, Chris and I will talk about Scott Pilgrim. We'll talk about some other movies. Uh, My next uh, movie is Bullet Train. Uh, is that the um, Brad Pitt? Yeah, I don't want to see that. <laughs> it looks stupid. Um, as much as I love Brad Pitt and uh, Sandra Bullock, it, it looks stupid. Um, but anyway, uh, whatever. What movie should we see next? What movie is on the horizon that interests okay. you? What are your opinions of? No, please let us know. And yeah, please, please tell let us know. Please let us know what um, you'd like to see us cover on this show too. The it is the Movie Boys uh, series, but um, we do follow and listen to all of you. Um, but um, again, thank you very much for Chris, my my uh, my special guest for this episode, and thank you all. Uh, we'll see you in the future. Please be safe. Please listen to other episodes of Everything You Never Need to Know about movies, music, and theater. Check out the Movie Critics, a web series which I um, am currently working on, uh, season two. And also check out Mass Mouse fans uh, from my friend Chris Rose that I co-host on. Um, that We will be getting back to recording for that one, so that will be exciting. And I've got a couple of new things coming up that will, um, it looks like they'll actually be happening. There's some new ideas, and we'll see what happens. But um, please take care of each other, be nice to each other, no violence, and uh, have a wonderful night. Thank you all so much.
what would you give to never have to worry about the way your body looks ever again? Hi, I'm Jackie, body image expert, confidence coach, and owner of Confident Girl Hotline. We are here to help you heal the relationship you have with your body by healing the trauma in your body that has been inflicted upon you by the diet and wellness industry. We do this through somatic healing. We are running one-on-one -on -one sessions virtually, group classes, and even doing workshops for both adult women and teen girls. Please check us out at www.confidentgirlhotline.com. We're also on Instagram and TikTok.